0: grace to you and peace from god our father and our lord and savior jesus christ amen the message for today the seventh sunday after pentecost rises up out of that gospel reading from mark chapter six please be seated i hope you all enjoyed a very safe and happy fourth of july celebration this last week and this is the kind of weather that we've been waiting for isn't it glorious summer weather. It's not going to last, we know, but we will certainly enjoy it while it's here. As we travel along life's journey, we come to find out that rejection is part of that journey and it sort of follows us all through life. Some rejections are rather small and insignificant, others not so much. Such things as not getting invited to the birthday party that all the other kids got invited to, or not getting into the university that you had your heart set on attending, realizing that the person with whom you're really interested isn't so interested in you or coming to grips with a reality that you did not get that promotion that you had hoped for. These, along with a host of other rejections in life, can leave us understandably feeling disappointed or discouraged. And I've been wondering, so is this how Jesus felt when he returned to his hometown of Nazareth and preached a sermon there? I think every pastor has uh, some experience of going back home and facing the hometown crowd with your first sermon there. I remember that. (laughs) There's rejection before us in today's gospel lesson as the hometown folks take offense at Jesus. Jesus. But there's something more, something else, as Jesus then sends forth his 12 disciples out into a world that is filled with rejection, calling the people who live in that world to repent, to receive the good news of the kingdom of God that is centered in the person of Jesus Christ. And that becomes the theme for preaching this day under the theme, Rejection and Repentance. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. We are in year B of the three year cycle of scripture readings for worship. Uh, year A follows Matthew's gospel. We heard that last year. We're in year B now, and that follows Mark's gospel. And then toward the end of this year and next year, we will hear from Luke's gospel. And John's gospel is kind of interspersed throughout all of those three years of reading. And so now we're about halfway through Mark's account of the life and ministry, the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as we make our way through Mark, we'll encounter this rising opposition to Jesus, especially from the religious leaders who are headquartered at the temple in Jerusalem. But it's not just limited to them, as we hear today. The folks at home back in Nazareth where Jesus grew up, well, they think he's become a little too big for his britches. He is too full of himself. And after hearing Jesus preach his inaugural sermon at the hometown synagogue, they say, Where did this man get all these things? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? The brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon aren't his sisters right here with us? Important point to bear in mind in first century Israel within Judaism, you did not refer to a man as the son of his mother, at least not in public. Even when his father was deceased and his mother was a widow, you still referred to him as the son of his father. So what's going on here is that people at home in Nazareth were speaking of Jesus in some rather insulting and derogatory terms. Hmm. So, hometown crowd turned ugly and they were talking smack about Jesus. They knew there were really only two sources of the wisdom that enabled Jesus to speak with the authority with which he spoke and do such mighty works of power that he was doing. Either it was from God or it was from the devil, one or the other. And their responses here indicated they believed firmly it was the latter. The net result, they took offense at him. The original word here is "scandalizo," where we get our word scandal. And originally, it meant something that would trip you up and cause you to stumble and fall as you were walking along. And later, it came to mean what it means here, to be offended, to be scandalized by someone or something. That's what the folks at home thought about Jesus. He's a scandal. Sad. Very sad. And Jesus' response to all of this is our scripture verse for this week. We set it together. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And here's the ringer And he marveled because of their unbelief. What a terrible and stinging indictment of the people's hard-heartedness. Jesus marveled. He was amazed, astounded, because of their unbelief. What about us? Now, we may not be from Jesus' hometown, but like those people, many of us have grown up with Jesus. We've known him all our lives. But has that familiarity with Jesus led to contempt of Jesus? in our lives, do we also take offense at Jesus? And more importantly, does Jesus marvel at our unbelief? Is he unable to do any mighty work in our lives because of our hardness of heart? we would do well to think on these things. But the kingdom of God moves on. Even when there is hard-heartedness, even when there is out and out rejection, the kingdom of God doesn't get the chain wrapped around the axle and get stuck. All the wheels come off and everything come to a screeching halt. By no means, the kingdom of God and the person of Jesus Christ moves on to other places, to other people. And that is important for us to remember as well. The forgiveness of sins, the life and salvation which Jesus came to bring is not held captive when there is a wall of hostility which is encountered. The message moves on as we're told jesus went about among the villages teaching and then comes the sending of the 12 disciples who are empowered by jesus to carry the message of the kingdom forward they were in training Jesus was preparing them for the day when he himself would no longer be physically present with them in the world and the message and its being preached to the world would fall to them. They're getting a taste of that now. And they were given authority, as we're told, over unclean spirits. They were instructed to take nothing for the journey ahead. No extra food, no luggage, no money, no extra set of clothes. They were to trust. They were to trust fully that the Lord would provide for their needs. And on the mission field, This happens still through what are called persons of peace. What's a person of peace? Well, as Pastor Greg Finke, author of Joining Jesus on His Mission, has taught us, Jesus truly is out ahead of us in the mission field, out there. After all, it's His mission, not ours. And he invites us to come alongside him, join him, see what he's doing, and become involved with him on his mission in daily life. And the truth of the matter is, because Jesus is already out there on the mission field, before his disciples ever arrive on the scene, the Lord works in the hearts and minds of people already before those disciples, those missionaries ever show up. And he's prepared them through his own mysterious ways to be open and receptive to the good news of the gospel. So that when God's disciples, his missionaries, show up, there's a foothold ready and prepared in that community for the good news of the gospel to take root and branch out. All of this is accomplished then without the individual disciples saying or doing much at all. It's through them that these persons of peace that Jesus' disciples find a welcome. They find a refuge. They find even a place to stay and meals to eat among these persons of peace. That is how the Lord works. And he still works that way in the world today. Our congregation is privileged to support mission efforts in a bunch of different ways, both stateside as well as overseas. Next weekend, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, July 14 and 15, we will hear about Lutheran World Relief and the wonderful work they are doing to alleviate human suffering literally around the world. We'll have a guest preacher, our former district president, Dr. John Diefenthaler, who sits on the board of directors with Lutheran World Relief. And following the morning service, there's going to be a care kit making event in the fellowship hall to which you all are invited. There's information in the weekly word as well as out on the credenza in the narthex. That's next weekend. Then the following weekend, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, July 21 and 22, we will be blessed to have Matt and Dee Dee Wasmund and their two daughters Lily and Olivia who serve on the mission field in Seoul Korea we support them and they'll be back here visiting the congregations here in the States which support them and they'll be telling and sharing how the Lord is working through them in the mission field in Seoul And then the week that follows, Monday through Friday, July 23rd and 27th, the Lord is bringing the mission to us right through the front doors of the church with kids, kids and more kids from the community and neighborhood who will be coming through those doors to be in St. John's Vacation Bible School. We've already had to close our registration for the little guys, the preschoolers, And it's an amazing thing when you stop and think about it, most of the children attending are not members of our congregation. They come from the community. Some of them have church homes, many of them do not, but their parents bring them here, and we have the joy and the privilege of telling them about Jesus, not just for an hour, but for five days in a row. Who knows how the Lord is using those seeds, those gospel seeds that are being sown in the lives of these young children for the good of his kingdom. And so right here at home, the mission field is all around us. It's in places like Seoul, Korea and other spots around the world as well. But make no mistake about it, the mission field is is here, it's as close as our homes and neighborhoods, our places of work, where we go shopping. And the whole purpose of getting out into the mission field is to lead people and point them to Jesus and leading people to repentance and trust in Jesus. That word repent, which is part of our gospel lesson for today, a lot of people think means, oh, it's feeling sorry for our sins. It's so much more than that. The thrust and meaning of the word repent Metanoia in the New Testament means a change of heart, a change of mind. I heard it best explained by a military chaplain many years ago who said to repent means an about face. You stop walking in that direction and you start walking in a new direction. I like that definition. Truth of the matter is, we live in a society that is ruled by the individual, right? There are no longer objective standards of right and wrong, but everything depends on the individual and the individual subjectivity. Now we may not like that, we may not agree with that, but that is where most, if not many people in our culture and society today are at. How will we bring the good news of Jesus to them? How will we lead them to a change of heart and mind so they will walk in a new direction? Well, we won't do any of that because it's not in our job description. That is the work of the Holy Spirit who will transform hearts and minds who enables people us as well to walk in newness of life the Spirit does indeed work through the baptized people of God connecting us with friends with neighbors with co-workers with people at the coffee shop wherever we might be and those become fertile mission opportunities. Not that we're gonna shove something down someone's throat. That's not what I'm talking about but that through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives through God's Word and through his Holy Supper and the gift of holy baptism, we will see those connecting points as opportunities to point people to the one who loves them, who gave his life for them, for the sake of the world, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is our great privilege, it is our eternal joy to point people to Jesus because it is only in Jesus that there is full and free forgiveness of all our sins. Not just some, but all. We don't buy this, we don't Earn it, we don't deserve it, it comes as God's free and gracious gift to us in Jesus. No strings attached. It's our great privilege and joy to point people to Jesus because only in Jesus and his cleansing blood has that crushing debt of sin been stamped, paid in full in the blood of Jesus. Only in Jesus do we have the certainty of life eternal and death beyond the grave. As the children's message pointed out, we are Jesus' disciples today. And just as he sent out those first disciples, so he sends out his disciples today. And it may or may not be two by two, but he does most assuredly send us out. Will we experience some rejection? Perhaps. It may well be that way. And in the midst of feeling disappointed or discouraged by that, when we may be rebuffed or turned away or, or worse, it's important for us to remember what Paul says at the close of the epistle lesson for today. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because it is then, precisely then, that the power of Christ is at work in us and through us. Amen and the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.